Some people only drink the darkness, afraid to drink something light. Some people need to have somebody on the edge with five or six beers inside. Don't you worry, it's gonna be alright. Cause I'm always drinking, I won't let you out of my sight. I'll be ready to drink some beers and talk about 2017's Baywatch. Engage slow-mo run. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the 110th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. Thank you for joining us for the first in our series of Hops and Rock Bottom Flops, where we delve into some of the less successful ventures of the most electrifying man in sports entertainment television. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the Baywatch movie. I am your host, Captain Cash, and with me, with all the jiggles to make you giggle, is the Thunderous Wizard. I'll be ready, I'll be ready. Uh, He is available for your themed parties and bar mitzvahs. Please just send us an at, at hops and B.O. flops. He would serenade any occasion, really. Uh, Even children's birthday parties, maybe especially children's birthday parties. Along for the ride is the young upstart joining the crew, Chumzilla. Yo, I'm Matt Brody. You know, the two-time gold medal winner. <laughs> Come on. And famous pool puker. <laughs> the Vomit Comet. God damn it, this movie. Ugh. All right, well, before we get too far into it, we are brought to you by Wabam Entertainment, your place for the latest in nerd news. Check us out over at wabamentertainment.com that's w-o-b-a-m entertainment you can find the pod on twitter facebook and instagram at hops and bioflops leave us a comment on what movie you'd like to hear us talk about next thunderous wizard where can you be found on the social media uh when i'm not diving headfirst into a fiery boat wreck to save lives you can find me at writer tlk fiery in in air quotes because that is some of the worst cgi fire i have ever seen one good was not good fire <laughs> not good fire not good fire in your in your movie with fire and chumpzilla where can you be found when you are not throwing up in the pool and ruining your relay team's chances at gold when i'm not doing sweet endos on a stolen motorcycle you can find me on twitter at chumpzilla8 and as always i can be found at c-a-p-t c-a-s-h on most of your social media quick question Shoot. Is is Brody in this movie Ryan Lochte, U.S. swimmer? Kinda... Or, is, or is he the U.S. swimmer that stormed the Capitol? Oh, no. Because <laughs> that's a thing that happened. I thought it was supposed I, to be Ryan Lochte. Yeah, I think well, so. But... <laughs> yeah, but Ryan Lochte's a little more of a bro bro. I mean, Michael Phelps was a bit disgraced as well, too. So I think it's kind and of a Phelps combination. A big, strong dummy. Rock, Lochte is kind of a partying idiot. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a mix of the two. I think it's a combination of the two. Don't forget he fake got robbed in Rio. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, my vote is for Lochte, but 
I can't believe an Olympic athlete stormed the Capitol. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's talk about happier things. The beer for tonight, uh, for a film set in Florida, and as chaotic as the man who hails from that state, we are drinking Cigar City's Florida Man. This double IPA comes in at a mind-wrecking 8.5%. Pour is a hazy yellow. Cheers, gentlemen. That's not bad. What do you uh, what do you think there, Chumzilla? Well, it is um it's a little sweeter, I think, than I expected for a double IPA. I thought it'd be a bit more hoppy and bitter. It's very citrusy. It's very juicy. Yep, it's very juicy. I would I would put this in the category of a juicy IPA. I wouldn't call it a hazy IPA, but definitely a juicy one. Um it doesn't feel eight and a half percent. I don't taste I don't the taste booze. the booze at all. Yeah. I'd um, I'd expect something to be a lot more aggressive. It's just got a little bit of that, like, uh, watered-down orange juice taste to me. There's just something – there's just not enough popping on the flavor profile for me. But, you know, I'd give this I'd give this one-and-a-half movies. It's one not bad. Yeah, but eight-and-a-half, got to be careful with it. Cause That's it, a good point. It, this feels like it would sneak up on you. That's kind of what I like about it, maybe. Yeah, on a hot day, I could probably drink three or four of these before I knew what was going on. And then – and then it would be too late. Florida man knows what snuck up on you. Florida man would come up and get me, and then I'm barfing in the pool. And then you become Florida man, which which is the meme, of course. That's yeah. the, the true nature of this beer. It's too sneaky, and eventually mm. you become that which what you drink. You know what? I'll just say the mouthfeel is not methy enough. <laughs> I don't but, taste enough menthol yeah. <laughs> or enough tanner solution. Huh. Yeah. Like, Anyway. I don't know. I think this is pretty good. I think I'd probably yeah. give it two movies. Yeah, fair. But I think we talked through that. All right, so let's jump in to the film. Uh, directed by Seth Gordon, 2017's Baywatch sought the same success that 21 Jump Street had received by reviving a 90s property while still making meta jokes at the expense of the premise. Uh, like all our films in the Hops and Rock Bottom Flop series, this film stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Mitch Buchanan, which, if you're not familiar with the TV series, that is the, the Hasselhoff character, the head lifeguard of Emerald Bay, Florida. Uh, playing the, I, 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 in my notes, I write, playing the straight man slash cocky newcomer slash Olympian slash upstart. I like, Zach Efron is like everything in this movie. And I don't, like, he's all the things. Yeah, it, he's like sort of a real... Uh, definition of why this movie doesn't work because he's the straight man but he's also the screw up uh he's the only person who understands how ridiculous everything is but at the same time he's a parody of himself so uh, yeah i don't know it's it's a mixed bag for the character because he's supposed to be our avatar in this world and we're supposed to kind of relate with him and he does question things like hey this seems like the cop should be handling it and he at times appears to be the voice of reason. And at the same time, he is sort of a self-absorbed, clueless dude, bro. So it's a really weird mix for that character. They expect him to do a lot of different things whenever the plot requires it. Exactly. And I think that's one of my challenges. And we'll get into it. But, I, I mean, I think he's played capably by Efron. I don't, I don't think anybody does a bad acting job necessarily. Uh, you know what? I hate to compare this favorably to Big Trouble in Little China. But I do believe everyone in this movie knew exactly what kind of movie they were in. 
Yeah, that's fair. I will I will say that. Everyone seemed to be on the same page as far as the level of camp and scenery chewing. Yeah, that 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 is completely fair, even if it ultimately didn't work out in their favor. Uh, Priyanka right. Chopra is here uh, as the film's main villain, Victoria Leeds. Uh, Kelly Rohrbach has the C.J. Parker role that made Pam Anderson famous, or the other way around, however that works. Uh, Alexandra Daddario is here as Summer Quinn, uh, who is the sort of will-they-or-won't-they with Brody. And rounding out the principal cast is John Bass as Ronnie Greenbaum, the unfit tech guy that pines for C.J. Okay, I just want to talk about the uh, love interest there for uh, Brody. Um I like how they decided to make her edgy because she's brunette. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, oh, she's edgy. She's basically a goth chick because she's brunette. <laughs> well, I mean, it is Florida, so. She also is The Rock's daughter from San Andreas. So. Yeah. Oh, no. It's it's funny to me how, not funny, it's, it's kind of sad how little they give the women in this to do. With the exception of the principal villain. At least she seems like she's having a good time. Even she is just meant to be ogled at, which happens it, she, on several occasions. Like the camera will like pan to the female characters like, ooh, you should stare at them now. Well, <laughs> okay. I, I will say this. I do appreciate the fact they didn't give The Rock a love interest that was half his age. And that he basically, his character basically ignores the advances of the villain. Who tries to flirt with him? Who needs a love interest when you love yourself that much? And you love your job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's just that committed. I, he, I'll give the movie credit. It, it, there was some low-hanging fruit there, and they did manage to avoid it. Now, there's plenty of other low-hanging fruits that they cultivated shamelessly, but that they didn't milk. I mean, they did have the, the one older lifeguard played by, and I, I will destroy this woman's name, Ifanesht Hedera? Who played the Stephanie character? Literally. that's This movie is so creatively bankrupt, they just used all the same character names. And in fact, then the same people appear, which we'll get to. Yeah. 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 But suffice it to say, it's not, it's not great, everybody. It's not great. Uh, at current, this movie is not free for streaming anywhere. So save yourself the four bucks and don't watch it. Um, <laughs> the film itself... Runs 119 minutes and cost approximately 69 nice million dollars and opened on May 25th, 2017. Uh, it placed third in its opening weekend, falling behind the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie and Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which was on its either third or fourth week of being in the box office. Uh, so not not great, not great. Uh, domestically, it pulled in a dismal $58.1 million, uh, but did manage to fare a little better internationally, ultimately garnering about $177.8 million. Thanks, China, who also co-financed this disaster. <laughs> Listen, for every one of these, at least we have Pacific Rim. Except I didn't like the sequel. Anyway, uh, the critics were absolutely brutal to this film. Uh, and it currently sits at 17 on Rotten Tomatoes. So there we are. Uh, the IMDb does another bang-up job this week with their one-sentence description. Devoted lifeguard Mitch Buchanan butts heads with a brash new recruit as they uncover a criminal plot that threatens the future of the Bay. What are your one-sentence descriptions? Let's go Chumsall. 
2017's Baywatch is what you get when somebody tries to stretch a 45-minute TV pilot episode into a two-hour movie. All right, over to Thunderous Wizard. I would describe this movie as, it's like if your drunk neighbor sang David Hasselhoff's greatest hits at a karaoke bar in Akron. I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. That's sort of, like they're just describing to you how great it is, but you're only getting it through a haze of like Miller Lite beer breath and empty karaoke. Nice. nice. Let's talk about my condition. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm going to call this movie R rated for almost no reason. The actor's enormous charm can't make up for a script that is less jiggle and more flop. Mm. Yeah, what's up with all the F-bombs, huh? Yeah, like, so they. this is a hard R film. And we can talk about it now, or we. it's one of my questions for later, but why? Mm. I like, like, I mean, I get, I know why. They say the F-bomb a lot. They they show a penis on screen. Yeah, there's that. There's, <laughs> there's and, that. And, and Jake Paul. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, the... Well, Logan Paul got cut from the movie. Oh, oh one of the shucks. Fox. Whatever. Shucks. One of those guys. Yeah. He, I, I sadly watched the extended cut or whatever. Why? So I got to see I, I got too. to see two penises in this movie. Which oh, is the so second you one? You double the bang for your buck? Because I watched the unrated one, one too. Is it what's the second penis? The Paul. You get two yeah, cocks. Logan in Paul. It. Oh, for, Jake yeah. or whatever. The whole human penis that he is. Yeah, and Captain Cash and I have to claim those ding-dongs. They're from Ohio. No, we don't. No. Well, we have to acknowledge they exist. I, I guess. think they're from Akron, right? <laughs> no, they're, no. <laughs> I think they're, from like, they're from like Cincinnati. Oh. Fairfield, maybe. I don't know. Shit. They suck. I don't know. Hamilton. But I do, I do, I do appreciate that his role, his, his scene that's cut is basically him being an asshole to the... Uh, uh, to the Ronnie character, and they kick him out of the tryouts before he even gets to try. I mean, yeah. the the difference between the regular cut and the extended cut is like four minutes. So yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much it's pretty much that scene. Why the credits aren't just a David Hasselhoff music video is that that knows. should be the extended cut is just David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff sings the hits, and for an R-rated movie, I was shocked there was no nudity other than the full frontal male nudity i mean side view side penis i don't know what you call that perspective no i mean there's side cock definitely penis just full frontal penis but i mean it's clearly penis and he gets fondled zach efron has to touch oscar from the office's junk it's it's pretty and 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 the fact that the rock just did it to mess with him is even better my Check his thought- tank for for track marks. <laughs> like I, you know, things I didn't expect to see in a movie. Let's just set the stage here, folks. You've got The Rock instructing Zac Efron to check Oscar from the office's taint for track marks. That is in this movie. That's a whole unique sentence. Mm-hmm. Those are all words I understood, but never thought would ever be put together in one sentence. Uh, yeah, I mean, for as much as this movie does go for the low hanging fruit. Like, I don't know whether to commend it for not just being like, and here's a bunch of boobs, uh, or to be frustrated with it for not having a bunch of boobs. I don't know. I, I'm i just surprised. I don't think I had expectations one way or the other. I'm just surprised they didn't go for that. My, my expectations were thoroughly subverted. That is fair. All right, so jumping into the plot. 
Uh, our setting is the Emerald Bay, Florida, where Mitch Buchanan leads a team of lifeguards. This is literally a film that starts when the rock emerges from the water and the title explodes behind him and dolphins do like a trick flip. It like... Uh, they do a like three-way chest bump? Yeah. I feel like this movie opens with a lot of promise that it absolutely does not deliver on. I would not call that promise. Well, it opens with like, hey, we understand how absurd this show was, and we're going to go super over the top with that, and then it, you know, it, it does not capitalize on any of that. Instead, it's like, hey, I'm The Rock. I'm super strong. Look at all the super strong and cool shit I can do. I'm still super sweet, and I'm not self-aware. So it misses out on the whole thing that David Hasselhoff was absolutely not self-aware, which is what makes the show so ironic in a way, and just doubles down on the not being self-aware thing, but not in the right way. I It's it's hard to, de- to describe. I think that, I mean, you're hinting at it. What I think is the challenge with this film is it is self-aware, but the characters aren't, with the exception of of the Efron character, but we'll, we'll get when there. When convenient. Yeah. It's only, because one of the things that you see is Mitch Buchanan is going to the, the lifeguard tryouts which I guess is a big deal for them. Uh, which fine, you know what? I if I got if I got to work with Alexandra Daddario and uh, Kelly Rohrbach every day, yeah, I, I get why there's a line to like, yeah, hey, okay, cool. Uh, but he runs into the beat cop who is played by the same person who is Black Manta, which I think is kind of great. Uh, who's like, hey, you're a you're a lifeguard. Stop doing cop stuff, lifeguard. And that's like a running gag throughout the film, but it never goes any further than that. There's no, like, they it just keep saying really It never really lands. Yeah. It's like you think, can't wait for that to pay off at some point, and it, it just doesn't. <laughs> to be fair, though, Yaya Abdul-Mateen is awesome in the movie because he clearly understands how stupid it all is. Whereas yeah, everybody no. else probably does, but they're not executing that very well. Hey, one of the better jokes in the movie is when Zach Efron does the you people thing. <laughs> Twice. You don't know? do that. Yeah. You're just tan. Yeah. I'm just saying, the way they set up that gag between the two of them, you expected a bigger payoff. Like, it's a Chekhov's gun situation. Like, you're showing me this conflict. Where's the resolution? It, it kind of happens in the end because the rock's kind of right, but it never really gives you, like, that, like, crescendo where, like, ah, and there's the punchline. It's also just ripped directly from 21 Jump Street where they're the bike cops and they're trying to, dr- you know, bust drug dealers in a park. And they're like, what are you doing? You're bike cops. Wait, but wait, it pays wait, off in 21 Jump Street. Like, it's the 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 catalyst for where the movie goes. Whereas this is just a running gag. And yes, it's funny because it is absurd. And that's what the show was. But it never means anything. There's no consequence to their behaviors. Yeah, there's no step beyond Okay, well, now I'm going to arrest you for doing cop shit, lifeguard. But anyway, the film opens on this big tryout where we get to meet Ronnie, uh, who is the chubby guy played by John Bass, who pines after CJ, uh, who gets his dick caught in the slats of of a beach chair. Just again, to quickly remind you what we're doing with this show right now. Yeah, Um, yeah. And it's not like like a quick gag. This is like a five and a half minute gag. Yeah. 
where everybody has to come see the man with the, his uh, franks and beans. How'd you get the franks above the beans? Stuck in the chair. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and they do give you a full shot of some kind of penis prosthetic in a swimsuit. Oh, it, it's a full-on cock and balls. Chair. Yeah. Full-on cock and balls. Yeah, you got franks and beans. Yeah. yeah. And what I really didn't understand about that whole joke is it's like, there's literally nothing like unique about it. It's literally just like, it's a dick joke. I kept waiting for like that twist where it'd get funnier. No. And it's just like, Hey, look how embarrassing this is. And that's it. Yeah. Like what if a guy got his dick caught in a chair? I was, I was expecting more again. Like, Hey, is this going to end in some kind of flourish? Nope. Nope. He just breaks the chair and freezes junk. Yep. Exactly on its face. That's what you get. Which I think is yep. probably fair for this film. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just not very creative. It's like, oh, okay, dick joke. Cool. Yep. Moving on. Among the other tryout E's is Summer Quinn, the Alexandra Daddario character, and too cool because he's on his motorcycle and has two Olympic gold medals. Zach Efron's Matt Brody, who has decided, oh no no no, he's not going to try out. He's already on the team. Uh, so we get a little bit of immediate conflict with. Zach Efron and The Rock, and it is resolved in what I have to assume is some kind of agreement between The Rock and Efron where they go, okay, Zach, you can take your shirt off to show how jacked you are, but The Rock gets to lift refrigerators to show how strong he is. So he's, so, you know, none of you actually win. It seems like a very, nobody actually loses this. Yeah, and I'll also point out that you get this weird like back and forth between the two of them is like dueling alpha males. And again, it never really lands. It's just kind of like this back and forth trash talking, you know, R rated trash talking. And it never really, it doesn't really pan out. You just get a bunch of like badly written zingers. It's stacked on top of each other. Yeah. it's It's a bunch of banner, but it's not good. I will say that I, I appreciate the chemistry that The Rock and Zach Efron seem to have. Like That's when, fair. when they're doing the back and forth, you can tell that they're having a good time with it. Even if, like, I mean, I will say, I loved all the stuff that The Rock calls Zach Efron throughout this. It's like, hey, One yeah. Direction. Hey, Jonas Brother. <laughs> hey, High School Musical. Musical. Which is yep. funny because Zach Efron was in High School Musical. <laughs> yeah, that's the joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still, I mean, you know. Yeah, no, it, it, it was good. It just, you know, I'm sorry, but when when Zach Efron slaps The Rock, he would have died right then and there. Oh, I know. <laughs> that would have been the end of him. He would have been pounded into the sand. Like, Zach Efron's body looks like something a 90s comic book artist would draw in how cut he is, but he is 5'8". The Rock would eat him. Yeah, he, 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 wears, he probably weighs about 148 pounds in this movie. Like, of pure muscle, don't get I mean, me Yeah, he's nothing but muscle, but holy shit, The Rock. I, if you slap The Rock and get to walk away, I don't know, maybe you are Jesus. Anyway. Easy there, Florida man. Woo! Uh, so, we eventually we get to the point where Brody can join the team. Uh, they do this quick rescue of some kids that fall off a pier in a very... You know, look, they actually do lifeguarding, which is important because they're not really going to do that again for the rest of the movie, really. Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. They they have the people they rescue on the boat thing, sort of. 
And let's not forget here a key plot point is that Zach Efron's Brody character has showed up because he's doing community service. He shows up and tries to ditch the tryout because he has a permission slip from his mom, his PO. I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty flimsy, but somehow it doesn't matter in the end. Moving on. Yep. We also at this point get to meet Victoria Leeds, the principal antagonist of the film, uh, where we learn that she is buying up property and has a new fancy club. Uh, and at this stage, The Rock also finds Flaka on the beach, which is a designer drug. I don't. I'm not into drug culture. Does anybody have a better understanding of what Flaka is? It's the same drug from 21 Jump Street. Really? <laughs> no, I don't think it's the same name, but it, like, it's basically the same thing. I just assumed it was bath salts. Yeah, yeah. it's like a hallucinogen. Yeah. Either way, so... Also, way to go, Nick Jonas. Oh, yeah. So, way to outkick note, your coverage, brother. Yeah. Nick Jonas did wind up marrying the actress who plays Victoria Leeds. So, uh, and I mean, apparently she's a, she's a huge deal in India. Like she got some kind of award for being like a, a ambassador for Indian culture. So, I mean, she's, she's not small time and her nothing. Big time star in India. And yeah. she's obviously transitioned very successfully as well. Yeah. Yeah. She plays the villain role very well. They just didn't give her much to do. Uh, at the end of it, Ronnie joins the team. Summer joins the team. Matt Brody joins the team. Uh, we, they get a call out to a yacht that catches on fire. Uh, so Brody disobeys orders, drives right through the drives right into the flames. Almost gets in trouble again after he got in trouble trying to lifeguard. Uh, the Rock manages to pull these two women out of the fire uh, and pull out. Uh, what's his name from the office? Oscar. He's yeah, still wearing out. pants at this point. So Oscar that's, from the office. It's a positive. Yeah. And the CGI flame here. Uh, and just for the record, his name is actually Oscar Nunez. Oh, there we go. Nice. So, yeah, he's Oscar and Oscar in real life. Real, a real Jason Momoa is Jay son or Jay in anything he does other than Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, but I want to talk about how bad and distracting the CGI fire is because... It's not often I get pulled out of a film for bad special effects anymore, and certainly not one that stars The Rock, but holy shit, this was bad. Yeah, it was like done in Photoshop bad. I remember being excited to see this movie prior to the reviews coming out. And I, Same. And I remember reading a review that specifically mentioned the fire. And of course, I didn't see it in theaters because it sounded so terrible. And then I watched it years ago on Amazon. When it was free, which mercifully so it was then. <laughs> this time I had to pay for it. And I'm kidding. And I always remember the quote, like, you will not believe how bad the CGI fire is. And I'm like, oh, it can't be that bad. It's that yes, bad. Yes, it can. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, it, it literally looks like a TikTok filter. Yeah. Yeah. It's not believable at all. But And, and as... the scene of the rock jumping off of the boat is just... It, it, it's just horrible um, because he doesn't he doesn't jump. He like he falls. He falls off, but horizontally with like momentum. Like the laws of physics cease to apply for a moment and, and the rock just glides away from the exploding boat. TikTok filter in the background. I, it's funny to me, too, because when he throws the women off the boat, 
you kind of get the sense that they'd be like thrown, but they're more just like heaved and dumped. Like, <laughs> there you go. You're in the water. Oh, it's like the end oh. of Lord of the Rings where he says, or not the end, but when he says, cast in the fire, he just throws them like into the flame, but they're fine. <laughs> like, it's fine. It's he'd fine. have to throw them like 35 feet. <laughs> Which, if the movie just did it and he literally threw them 35 feet, I don't know that it would have actually broken any kind of, yeah. Mm -mm. Like, no, no, that tracks. He's the rock. I hate to say this, but this boat scene actually makes the acid lake scene and Dante's Peak look believable. (laughs) (laughs) It does. Oh, it certainly does. I mean, at one point, they put out most of the fire with, like, a splash of the boat. Yes, yes. So the rooster tailing water. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and and uh, yeah. It's just this, this. This is where the movie like jumped the shark for me. I'm like, oh no, there's no going back from here. Like, it was teetering on the edge of being like decent until the boat scene, and then it's like, okay, nope, 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 nope. This is not going to get better, is it? All right. So post the boat scene, they're going to go further investigate because we the the audience know that Victoria Leeds is behind the shady dealings and certainly killed the councilman uh, so they go to a party that Victoria is throwing with the idea that they're going to snoop around and see what they can find um, because because Zach Efron's Brody recognizes that the councilman has a fancy watch on that matches the watches of uh, her henchmen which is also a tag hewer product placement moment. Yeah. And again, like unlike in 21 Jump Street or even 22 Jump Street, where there's an air of mystery to who the drug dealer may be, this movie doesn't care about that. They just tell yeah. you because <laughs> there's just no... She's clearly evil. Yeah. <laughs> like, hello, I'm here to be the Disney villain. <laughs> Would you like a watch? Yes, here's your watch. It certainly won't explode on your arm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they go, they un- they see that they're, like, literally, there are people, like, moving drugs around in the restaurant <laughs> where this is happening. Just, like, it's, like, cooler one, that's where we keep the meat. Cooler two, fish. Cooler three is the drug separating room. Just a window. It's fine. Yeah, just drums of drugs. Yes, but then Zach Efron gets drunk, uh, causes a scene, and has a falling out with everyone involved. You know what? For an R-rated movie, that might be the most PG-rated drunk scene I've ever seen. At very least, it would have been so hard for Zach Efron to get his dick out. That's the question we have. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry, but the, uh, the drinking scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark is more drunk and worthy of a scene than what we get from Zach Efron. He appears to do like two shots. And I mean, to be fair with his muscle mass in this film, two shots would probably do it. I suppose at 145 pounds, but still, there's just a lot to be said for the, Hey Ronnie, do that thing that you did. No, I can't possibly do that. And it's like, Oh, you mean behave like he's behaved the entire movie. That's, oh. that's the thing. Yeah. The, their way out is Ronnie, the chubby tech guy does an awkward dance at the main villain and it ends with the villain just going okay i know what you're doing bye and that's it and it's like i what just happened this is before 
or is it after they do the slow-mo shot of CJ? Because this is her whole role in the movie. They do slow-mo shots of her looking very attractive. And then he like I, I, goes to charm her. And it's like, honestly, she has nothing to do. She she can't like serve any other purpose to the movie. I did really like early on in the film, they, they address the, the slow-mo where both Ronnie and Summer are looking at CJ. And we, we the that? audience, see the slow-mo. And Summer goes, does it look like she's running in slow-mo to you? Yeah. Yeah, it's like she's wet, but not too wet. (laughs) And it's just like... (laughs) Well, and again, talking about movies that try to steal from other movies, and Ronnie is clearly supposed to be the... uh, Jonah Hill character. Yeah, the Jonah Hill character, but also they give him like the singing and dancer team. I got strong Napoleon Dynamite vibes from that. It's awkward for the sake of awkward. It's funny because the the two characters, the Zac Efron character and the Ronnie character, are very, very clearly meant to be the the Jonah Hill and the Channing Tatum character. And I, I kind of wonder if 22 or 23 Jump Street had just been Baywatch and they did like Fast and the Furious and just The Rock is now part of this thing, 23 Jump Street, if this wouldn't have gone better. Well, here's oh the thing. my god, it how, would have been how, way better if they're undercover in Florida as lifeguards and he's their boss. Oh my god, it's that's solid gold. But but in this movie, I don't think Zac Efron and the Ronnie character, or you know, Brody and Ronnie, ever really interact. They don't. And At in all. fact, a- after this scene, Ronnie sort of disappears. Ronnie and CJ both disappear for like 30 minutes of the movie. And don't forget that Hannibal Burris starts off the movie as Ronnie's buddy, and then he dies, and then that's like not really even mentioned. Like, oh, hey, that's, that was my pal. Yeah, I knew, <laughs> like, I knew that guy. I knew that guy. Doesn't come up. Poor Hannibal Burris. He, whack. Yeah, not like, hey, Ronnie, I think I might be in trouble because they're on to whatever I'm doing. This is like a random scene where they put Chum in his wetsuit and throw him in the ocean. Overboard. Yeah. Well, it's because he because he tries to strong arm uh, the bad lady, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Baroness. So post the party, Zach Efron comes hat in hand to the Rock and to Summer to apologize and say, "Look, I was out of line, but I really want to be part of this team." And so Mitch agrees to let him in, and they they decide that they're going to investigate the councilman's death by sneaking into the morgue, and. You said it was the boat scene, but for me, this is where the movie just fully, like, kind of fell on its face a little bit because they do a lot of this comedy of errors where they're hiding in the the morgue drawers from the bad guys who are also coming to mess with the evidence and things like that. And, like, literally at one point, stuff starts dripping on Zac Efron's face. Like, oh, it's uh, necrotic fat. And it's just like... Yeah, I mean, no, it it doesn't work. Like but, I feel, I feel like it should. Like in other hands, it maybe it would have, but it just doesn't. Here. Oh no, no, no! But what we got didn't work for sure. But visually, it was fine. Like, yeah, the, the the boat scene is visually offensive and it is terrible. Yeah. This is just bad jokes that don't land. Yeah. So that that's the difference I make. I can I can handle some bad dialogue, but the, the that boat scene's unforgivable. Yeah, it it mostly doesn't work. But I gotta say the the thing with Oscar's dinghy is pretty funny. <laughs> like <laughs> this movie doesn't hit a lot of jokes, but that was funny. 
You know what? It's funny because I, it it's, sh- it's shocking enough. You're like, wow, I can't believe I'm seeing this. It's like my second favorite joke of the movie behind when there's the little Mitch Buchanan in the rocks uh, aqua- uh, water tank, his fish tank. And then he looks over and it's changed positions. <laughs> yeah. I, I did appreciate the, the little Mitch changing positions every time you see it. That That was pretty funny. Yeah. Again, it's like it doesn't quite fit in the movie, but hey, that joke works. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that's a good joke. I'm sure it'd be better. It'd be even better, that is, in a better movie. Yeah. So they they get chased out of the morgue by the, the henchmen. Uh, that eventually leads them to the cops, where the cops basically threaten Mitch, like, hey, if you do anything else, you're going to get fired. Oh, well, uh, we get a great scene of some property destruction because they chase him through like a condo development and there's oh, just yeah. wanton destruction with with the child they, yeah, they somewhat child put a child in danger yeah uh-huh. but it, it is funny that casually like, though casually though. yeah nothing nothing direct danger but like as they're running through this area you see them climb over like a playset and into a, a nursery and you're like oh no this is this this seems dangerous guys but then even with the threat of losing his job, that's not enough for Mitch. So they're going undercover to the club kitchen to get more evidence. And we get the classic plan number two, drag. 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 While The Rock dresses up like a chef, Zac Efron dresses up like a lady. So who looks better in drag? (laughs) Zac Efron or Kurt Russell in Tango and Cash? 100% Kurt Russell. It is true, yeah. I gotta, yeah. 100%. Okay, okay. Or, or, Will Smith. Oh, definitely. It's definitely Kurt Russell. Still, still Kurt <laughs> Russell, yeah. What What about, um, who's, what is Artemis's real name? The actor who plays? Oh, Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. Yeah. He's, he's the runner-up. Yeah. Okay. Klein's the runner-up, uh, for sure. Here, we'll, we'll give Will Smith number three, getting jiggy with it. All right, I mean, he enough. has facial hair in that scene still, so it's... it's yeah, that's true. Okay. That's a tough sell. But yeah, Zach Efron's arms are way too defined that you're like, I mean, I guess, Zach, if you just wanted to look like a man dressed like a lady. He just wanted to feel pretty. Lay off. It, you know what? And I respect Zach's right to do that. Bless him. Uh, but they are obviously caught, and Mitch loses his job and goes to work at Sprint. Sprint, please pay us money for this now. <laughs> Got to finance this somehow. Do you think they went for Verizon first and Verizon was like, nah, fuck off? Yeah, basically. I think that's exactly what they did. They're lucky they didn't get Cricket for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Poor The Rock. Uh, but this is when we get our first appearance of the mentor, quote unquote, which is where Hasselhoff shows up and gives The Rock a pep talk. And I they maintain... Don't- the mentor is a hundred percent a figment of the Rock's mind. I think you nailed it when you texted us that the Rock had actually just murdered Hasselhoff and assumed his identity because the That's Rock is true. clearly a sociopath in this movie. <laughs> so <laughs> protect the beach at all costs. Yeah, I got to no, do what Mitch would love. I, I think you. Yeah, you've got a point there, Captain Cash. This is effectively the uh, Val Kilmer Elvis in the Rock's head. Like he is you know, fantasizing slash hallucinating his conversations with his murdered mentor. His ideal, his ideal of what he wants to be 
is to be Mitch from Baywatch. Hey, man, don't hassle the Hoff. Exactly. So Mitch decides that he's going to be back in it. He's going to protect the beach no matter what. Um, Brody manages to tackle a, a group of sand grifters, uh, which are just beach thieves, and then cover some more of the flocka, leading him to uh, the next stage, which is to go after Victoria Leeds and get onto their boat. Um, and they they learn that basically what's happening is Victoria is buying up all the com- all the properties around the beach and will ultimately make Baywatch a private beach just her own. So this heads up. So her evil plan is Lex Luthor approved. Yes, it's gentrification, more or less. (laughs) Real estate. All right. (laughs) The ultimate evil villain. You know, I would I would watch Victoria Leeds as Lex Luthor to The Rock's Superman. I feel like that could work. Yeah, I think that would totally work. So this brings us to the climax of the film where the entire team, Ronnie and CJ, are back after having disappeared for a little while. Uh, invade the personal yacht to figure out how sh- how Victoria is smuggling in the drugs, uh, but Brody gets captured and put in a bait cage and is going to be just thrown into the water and and die drowning. When Summer appears, swimming through the air, gives him the kiss of life, blows air into his lungs, uh, only for us to realize it was hypoxia. He was hallucinating. It wasn't Summer. It was The Rock, uh, because. Two dudes sort of kissing is funny. Uh, also, the probably the only two effective F words in the entire movie. Like, if you saved it for that moment, it's a lot funnier. But considering you've already heard 57 of them, not so great. Yeah. So at this point, it is down to a, a fight where Leeds is escaping. The Rock and, and Brody are on the boat. They're trying to get her... Uh, and after having been shot, The Rock has used one of the sea urchins to just jack his adrenaline like crazy uh, and uses a giant Roman candle to to basically explode Victoria. Uh, Straight giblets. I mean, we got to... It's the uh, pre-mortem one-liner. I'm oceanic motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> it's all been building for the rock yeah. to say I'm oceanic. I, I, I believe it's uh, I eat fire coral and piss salt water. I scratch my back with a whale's dick and I loofa my chest with his ball sack. I'm oceanic motherfucker. Which may be pretty great, actually. <laughs> That's Is this before or after Moana. This is the the most Aquaman. This is post Moana. This is yeah. yes. This is post Moana when Maui officially has no powers anymore and decides to be a lifeguard in Florida. <laughs> Turn, he's just trying to regain his former glory. Yeah, can't say I blame him. Uh, but ultimately, everything is resolved. There is enough evidence to convict Leeds and her henchmen. Everybody is happy. The the lifeguard team is together again. And now they can guard the beach. Uh, also, Ronnie and CJ hook up. Which, I guess, good for him? I mean, definitely good for him. But it, I don't know. That the, felt weird. The, the, whole, the whole love angle there was very one-sided until the very end. Like, he was clearly pining after her, and she was just polite to him. Mm-hmm. 
There was no indication she was interested. They do give you that shower scene where she kind of oogles at his or ogles at his junk a bit, but that seemed pretty forced. When the movie decides it's no longer in their budget for him to have hairy hobbit nipples, so oh yeah, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the they, nipple, the nipple oh, hair your new shaved your new shaved nipples look great, Ronnie. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> the film uh, ends with nice. the scene minute, where they... we're, 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 we stole the best line of the movie from the cut scene with whatever the Paul kid it was. Hey, nice nipple froze, bro. Oh. Uh, yeah, okay, sorry. I'm not Moving sorry on. I missed that. And the best line of the movie is clearly I'm oceanic motherfucker. <laughs> but the film ends with the cameo that had to happen. Their new captain is introduced. Casey Jean, Pamela Anderson, comes out, says hi, cut to black. And the blooper reel, which frustratingly, a lot of the jokes in the blooper reel landed for me more than the actual jokes in the movie. Yes. Yeah. It's the problem They're... with the movie. They, they they all clearly had so much fun, but somehow all the really awesome stuff isn't in the movie. <laughs> Very Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, that's true. The, the blooper yeah. reel is surprisingly solid. So, Brass Tacks, how many beers do you need to enjoy this movie, Thunderous Wizard? Well... Considering I watched the extended cut and uh, whatever Paul was in it, it's a six beer movie. That I mean, yep. harsh but fair. It uh, yeah. it's just so often not funny at all. And you'll laugh a couple times, sure. And I like The Rock, and you know, uh, this movie just does nothing with him aside from make him a generic version of characters he's already played. So. Say he he's a parody of himself. Yeah. And I like Efron too, but yeah, this this movie does not capitalize on anybody's talents. I I have to agree. Uh, I don't think the movie doesn't suffer for their presence, and you can tell that they're working. They just you can only elevate the movie so far. You just need better material. That's a six for six for Thunderous Wizard Chumpzilla. Oh yeah, I agree. This is a, a six beer movie. Uh, and you guys have nailed it. It is less than the sum of its parts. Like Zach Efron's fine in it. Uh, the rock's fine in it. I, I feel bad cause I'm, I'm being generic here to the female characters cause I can't think of the actresses names, but the CJ character is fine. Uh, the villain is fine. Like individually they all give good performances, but ultimately it just doesn't come together. Agreed. It's just not as it's not as funny as it, the potential it had to be. It could have been as funny as the twenty one or twenty two Jump Streets. Like they had the right talent behind it. Ronnie's character, you know, had potential, but the script I think just really held them back. Agreed. Yeah, I, this is a six beer movie for me too. I mean, five if I'm feeling very charitable, but I just it's the worst thing a comedy can be. Unfunny for long stretches. Yeah, and. You know, it's just it's just not entertaining at times either. It's like you understand what they're trying to do. Like I get what you're trying to get at, but you're just not hitting it. Yeah. <laughs> and like and you're dragging this joke on for five minutes. Like, no, this is not working. Like you guys need to, work, you need to workshop this a little more. This is not this is not good. Yeah. So I think did it deserve the flop? The answer is obviously yes. 
So follow-up question. Is this the worst TV series made into a movie? Keeping in mind, Eon Flux, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Bewitched, Chips, Dukes of Hazard, Flintstones, Viva Las Vegas, G.I. Joe, and Inspector Gadget all exist. Is this the worst TV show made into a movie? It's tough because uh, this clearly had the most talent behind it. So that's a big uh, knock against it. Excuse me? Yeah, Bewitched had a lot of talent too, but The Rock... Honestly, I mean, Will Ferrell is a huge star. The Rock is the highest paid actor on the planet. So, well, I would say Will Ferrell was the peak of his powers. Yeah, and so be I guess that's comparable, but whatever. Like, it's one it's of the a worst. smaller movie, though. It's worse than uh, the Dukes of Hazard. At least the the card chases and that were cool. Yeah, this was less entertaining than Dukes of Hazard for sure. Also, it was less of a waste, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. Of the people the, that were involved in Dukes of Hazard, the stars weren't as big. Yeah, yeah, and the the stakes weren't as high, and it wasn't on water. It wasn't as expensive or glossy. Yeah. So no, I, I, you know, I've never seen Bewitched, but I've read reviews and articles about it. I, from what I understand, Bewitched was absolutely abysmal. So, I I, I would probably give that one the nod just because this movie at least tried really hard to be funny. I don't know if you can say the same thing about Bewitched. I saw Bewitched 15 years ago, and I remember thinking this is not great. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know that I can call this the worst version of a TV show made into a movie. Because I do occasionally get a chuckle here or there, and it's slickly produced. So I can see it as a guilty pleasure Sometimes, like it's still, it's still very bad. Yeah, here, here's one I can remember off the top of my head: Mr. Magoo with Leslie oh, Nielsen no. was an unwatchable, uh, just dumpster fire. Uh, uh, that's actually uh, movies like offensive to people with vision impairments. Like that might be the big winner. Actually, like, I forgot that, about that one. That one was really bad. So it's not. It's that considered bad. the offensive. Yeah, like you could watch this and you can get a couple of laughs. Uh. But if it was on, would I sit down and oh, I'll catch the end of this? Zero chance ever. Nope. Nope. Yeah, not fair. at all. All right. So what would have fixed it? Anything you think you can... What would have been the the solution? Cast is fine. It needs a script. It desperately needs an actual script. And why not just make it a series of riffs on insane shit that happened on the TV show? Like, they do cover that. And they talk about it. But yeah, they like, mentioned it. They na- they name drop different scenarios. But that could have just been the movie all yeah. leading up to this big confrontation. Like if you had these little things that led to it, sure. And they kind of like they talk about it. And it's funny when they say it because you're like, oh yeah, I remember how like ridiculous that show was. But oh gosh, the script subs like I forget what writer it was. It says like uh, uh, expletives are like the lazy man's answer to like showing forceful this in writing or like anger or whatever in writing and that movie this movie's full of it it just thinks f-bombs are funny they're not a substitute for actual funny dialogue they're not um i think you cut out two of the b and or c plots to get this movie down to an hour and a half and that probably tightens it up enough that it's workable and then you take some of the stuff from the gag reel and you work that into the movie instead of the actual script and you probably get a better comedy out of it. 
I'm not saying it's great, but I'm just saying you could probably do better if you just tighten this thing up significantly and then went with some of that ad lib stuff that they they cut out. Yeah. Because, so, again, because the script's the weak point. To the Thunderous Wizard's point, the script is the weak point here. So cut some of that script out and then go with some of the ad libs and you probably get uh, something that would be marginally more watchable. We're going to talk about this as part of the trivia, but this thing had a lot of writers. So my answer is this thing either needs a bunch fewer writers or a bunch more writers, but the number they settled on was not right. Yep. All right. Um, so my, uh, my next question, who wins in a fight? Mitch or Aquaman? Momoa's Aquaman, specifically. Well, we're not technically going to find out, but maybe we'll see a confrontation at some point down the line in the DC universe. But, I mean, obviously Aquaman has actual powers, and The Rock can looks as if he can barely swim, so I'm choosing Aquaman. Listen, again, I would like to stress that Mitch eats fire coral, pisses salt water, scratches his back with a whale's dick, and loofahs his chest with the whale's ball sack. Okay. He's oceanic, uh, motherfucker. Yeah, I so, mean, I guess so is Aquaman. If you give him the hook, his hook, from Maui, I think it's a pretty even... It's like a draw. It's close. Okay, that's fight, fair. He's got a fighting yeah, yeah, chance, yeah. yeah. You gotta no. get, he gets the magic powers hook. Okay, yeah, Mitch with the magic powers hook, or Aquaman. No, I'm giving it to Arthur Curry on this one. He can talk to fish. Ooh, that's a good point. That's def- that's a huge advantage, especially from a even, lifeguard scenario. Yep. So even, so they face off in the water. It's one on one. Even if uh, the rock's got his hook, all of a sudden a couple of you know whales or orcas show up to take care of Aquaman's light work. Yeah, I'm giving it to Arthur Curry. But are we sure okay. that Mitch can't talk to fish? Because little Mitch, I'm sure can. Oh, also I mean, a good point. Yeah, maybe, maybe. All right. So follow up question. Is this movie better if Aquaman is Mitch? I honestly would have preferred to have way more cameos from people from the show. I don't think there were enough cameos. Like if Numi shows up, which was like Mitch's right hand man who was on like almost every season, I'm going to geek out for that because I did watch this silly show because it was on constantly. It was like that stupid show with Rob Deerdeck on MTV. Like USA would play Baywatch 15 hours a day. So if they could have worked him in, they could have worked uh, everybody who was an alum. David Chokichi, where he, where's he at? I could have, yeah, could have used Chokichi. Yeah, you got a good point there, Thunderous Wizard. I think the nostalgia factor gets cranked up to 11 with more cameos. Like We could have had Yasmin Bleeth or Gina Lee Nolan, also known as Sheena of the Jungle. Like, Come on, like those characters, if you were a fan of the show, that stuff would have definitely like resonated and worked. It would have been funny. It would have been like a cheap punchline or gag if they could include those fair enough i don't know i i don't think my my take on the show is there isn't a wide enough base that remembers it fondly enough that if you brought back more than the hoff and uh pam anderson that anybody would care i I think that's where you're wrong because the fans of the show would tell you there's a whole like list of b and c level celebrities that came through this show that's true. And also, uh, you know, Johnny Depp, obviously the biggest star from 21 Jump Street. When they asked him to do that cameo, he basically said, I'm not doing it without Peter DeLuise because 
there really is no 21 Jump Street without my character and that character. And they're like, okay, fine. And honestly, that moment kind of sucks if it's just him. Yeah, no, that's fair. Okay, I can see that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be doing the Save the Bay Trivia Challenge. But for now, let's hear from our fellows at Wabam Entertainment. The Double Turn. Here's a real rock bottom. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops for our trivia challenge, Save the Bay. So I've got six questions for you, gentlemen, multiple choice. Winner of tonight's trivia challenge will take home John Bass's waxed nipple hairs. Standard chime in applies, or of course, you can always go with I'm Oceanic Motherfucker. So number one, this is the second collaboration between Alexander Daddario and The Rock, the other being San Andreas. There was a third film that they worked on together, but Daddario's part was cut. What was that third film? Was it A, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, B, G.I. Joe Retaliation, C, Rampage, or D, Jumanji, The Next Level? I'm Oceanic, bitch. (laughs) We'll accept that. (laughs) Chumzilla. Rampage. That is correct. It was indeed Rampage. Uh, Her character was completely cut. I only guessed that because I know how much Captain Cash loves Rampage. I do love Rampage. I like kaiju movies, and Rampage is a good kaiju so, movie. How ridiculous was her character that she was the one that got cut from that movie? I do like that movie, but the people aren't exactly real people. <laughs> Which I'm fine with. When you got The Rock and his buddy, the giant albino gorilla. Our boys yeah. in that. Uh, what's his name? From uh, The Boys. Yeah. Jeffrey Dean Morgan? No, uh, he's in it too, but is it... Uh, A-Train? What's, what's uh, Jack Quaid? What's Dennis Quaid's son's name? Yeah, Jack Quaid? Yeah, what's, his, what's Mike, his name? Yes, he's yes, he's in it. Yeah. He's in it as one of the zookeepers. Yeah. But but so is Joe Manganiello. So, also, mm-hmm. also our boy. Pittsburgh's pride, Joe Manganiello. Get a death stroke. Yep. Number two. The name of the bay in the movie was Emerald Bay. What was it in the TV show? Was it A, Long Beach, B, Santa Monica Bay, C, San Diego Bay, or D, Malibu? Oh, I should know this. Uh, Farts and Tarts. All right, giving it to Thunderous Wizard. Malibu? That is incorrect. Yeah, no, I don't remember. Yeah, uh, I'm going to need the remaining answers here, Captain Cash. All right, your remaining answers, Chumzilla, are Long Beach, Santa Monica Bay, or San Diego Bay? I'm going to go with Santa Monica Bay. That is correct. Well done. Stand of Malibu, Lebowski. (laughs) Stand of Malibu, deadbeat. All right, number three. How many, we talked about this previously, that there were a number of writers credited. How many writers are credited on this film? Is it A, 
8, B, 9, C, 10, or D, 11? Farts and Tarts, 11. That, <laughs> Thunder Wizard, I'm afraid that is incorrect. Gosh, damn. <laughs> uh, I'm going to shoot. I'll go with A, 8. 8 is also incorrect. The correct mm. answer was 9. Ah, oh, dang it. 9 received some form of writing credit on this film, mm. which goes back to... There were a lot of writers, and either there were too many or not enough, and I don't know what the answer is. It feels too many cooks or not enough. Yeah, yeah. it feels like a nine writer movie because it has no <laughs> identity at all. Yeah, no. I think the biggest waste of time in the movie is Zac Efron's character's arc. He he, he can just be the bad boy for no good reason. He doesn't need a backstory. <laughs> like literally, he he could just show up like Charlie Sheen in uh, uh, Major League, and it would work just fine. Yeah, if he was like recruited from the California Penal League of like exactly, <laughs> like, I, I, I'm here work release. Okay, and that's it. Just moving on. He doesn't need to be like an Olympic hero or any of that stuff. Okay. Anyway, All right. question number four. Yes, at the halfway point, we are at two Chumpzilla, zero Thunderous Wizard. You can still come back. So number four, the Baywatch show famously included a number of professional wrestlers as guests. But The Rock was not among them. Mm. Which of these big-time wrestlers also did not appear on the show? Was it A, Hulk Hogan, B, Andre the Giant, C, Ric Flair, or D, Randy Savage? Uh, farts and Tarts. Uh, All right, Thunder's Wizard. I think it's Andre. That is correct. Yeah. It is Andre mm. the Giant. Uh, uh, Shawn Michaels I... also appeared on the show. Yeah. What? what? Nice. <laughs> The, there is a, a incredible backlog of wrestlers. I believe uh, The Rock was literally like the tenth wrestler who joined this. Sh- it uh, with it in some capacity. It must have yeah. been because of the USA connection. Because this was syndicated on USA. Raw was always on was was on USA at the time, and yeah. wrestlers constantly appeared on the show. And I mean, you know, not for nothing, the whole body thing where like here here's some giant humans. Yeah. Yeah, sure, why not? All right. Thunder Wizard coming back. Number five. Which contemporary leading TV man was offered the Hasselhoff role, but turned it down because he reportedly, and this is quoting, did not want to be recognized as a sex symbol? Mm. Was it A, Ted Danson, B, Tom Selleck? C, William Shatner, or D, Don Johnson? Wait a minute. They're all Parts sex symbols. Uh, that's why it's a weird question. <laughs> and, all right. And uh, Chumpzilla, that was your chime in. I believe it's A, Ted Danson. That is incorrect. It's a good oh. guess. Uh, all right. So. I'm Oceanic. What's your remaining answers? Uh, I'm going to go with Tom Selleck. It was Selleck. It's the only one that wow. makes sense to me. Uh, Shatner would, I mean, give me a break. They're going to give William Shatner, like, hey, want to be shirtless for 22 episodes a season? <laughs> but Shatner would have totally been like, I'll be a sex symbol. Oh, he, I would, he, would sex symbol. he would have requested I, to wear a Speedo. And just for the record, my assumption was that post-Cheers, Danson would want to get away from that. That's fair. Thing. I, well, I just think it's hilarious where, you know, like, you have Tom Selleck in the, the glasses, the mustache, and the short shorts from uh, Magnum P.I. It's like, oh, no, no, I don't want to be a sex symbol. That, that'd be too much. Like, that horse dude. is already out of the barn, Tom. <laughs> dude, dude. Come on. 
No, I'll just play the older love interest of Monica on Friends, where people will find me incredibly sexy in a different way. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) All right, last question, and it's tied up two to two. Thunderous Wizard, Chumzilla, this is it. Number six, when the film was being written by the Reno 911 crew, which SNL alum was attached to play Mitch? Was it A, Bill Hader? Was it B, Andy Samberg? Was it C, Seth Meyers? Was it D, Jason Sudeikis? Or is it E, all of those are the same person? <laughs> mm, farts and tarts, Sam. All right, Thunderous Wizard. Thunderous Wizard, you, you lost out. It is Chumpzilla. Your call. Chumpzilla? Uh, farts and tarts, Andy Samberg. That is incorrect. Oh, oh no. Man. That oh. leaves your remaining answers. Bill Hader, Seth Meyers, or Jason Sudeikis? I for, I would hope it would be Sudeikis. But because this movie was so misguided, I feel like it's Seth Meyers. <laughs> oh, that is incorrect. All right, all right. So do I get a 50-50 to steal here? No, no, no. You both got it wrong. So here's, what, here's how it's going to go. You broke even. So one of you is getting one set of nipple hair. The other of you is getting the other set of nipple hair. Everybody Dang. wins. Congrats. I got dipped up right nipple. Right nipple. Oh, I'm left nipple all the way. All right. All right. I, I didn't mark them. So and I would we'll like six bags of flaca. <laughs> you don't want that flaca. All right. We're going to take another quick break, and we're going to hear from our brothers in beer, Hop Nation. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. And welcome back for the conclusion of Hops and Box Office Slops. We've been talking Baywatch. Uh, We're going to end up the show, give our recommendations, talk about what we're doing next. So this week, Thunderous Wizard, what have you been getting into? Okay, so I have two recommendations. Because this is a movie starring a wrestler, I did see Army of the Dead in theaters today. By the time this airs, you can read my review over at Wabam Entertainment. I really liked it. Uh, it has some pacing issues here and there, but Dave Batista, who's really gone out of his way to take challenging roles and different roles, was awesome in it. I think you'll dig it. Hopefully we're able to see it in theaters because it is a big screen experience, but it's going to look just as sweet watching it through Netflix. Uh, if you love Dawn of the Dead, you're going to love it. It is literally aliens with, with zombies. Um, my second recommendation is the greatest beach movie of all time. The 1990 C. Thomas Howell, Peter Horton classic, Side Out. It's a beach volleyball movie. It's not good, but I love it. Uh, And we're going to do it on this podcast when we do hops and sports ball flops, and I cannot wait. That's my other recommendation. So Army of the Dead, definitely watch it. I think you'll have a really great time. It's bloody. Uh, It gives zero Fs. It was rad. And side out. Those are my two recommendations. All right. Very good. Jumps up. What are you into this week? 
All right. Well, I'm going to go with a uh, previous pod-inspired recommendation. Uh, so after doing Big Trouble in Little China, I'm going to recommend everybody take a moment to watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Because <clears throat> that's one of those like classic movies everybody's aware of, but I'm not sure everybody has seen. And it's the third film in the Clint Eastwood Man With No Name trilogy. It's considered to be like the like quintessential spaghetti western. Mm. And it this movie has inspired everything from Star Wars to Big Trouble to the Marvel movies. I mean, literally the saddlebag that Jack Burton carries and tries to put his cash in at the beginning of Big Trouble in Little China. That's literally what you see Clint Eastwood's character carrying around in this movie. The poncho um, that he wears, that's what inspired Boba Fett. And I will admit the movie is definitely, it feels like a 1966 movie. It's a little cheesy. Some of the dubbing's bad. But it... If you've never seen it and you're just aware of it, you're really missing out. You should watch this movie because you will see it's inspired like everything from George Lucas to Quentin Tarantino. Um, it, it's pretty cool to see. And I think it's free right now streaming on like Sundance. So if whatever streaming package or cable provider you have has access to Sundance, you can catch it for free. And it's pretty cool. Check it out. It's better than Baywatch. And one of the great score music yes. cues of all time. Of all time. And that guy also did the music for Orca. Yeah. yeah. And you get several variations on that theme throughout this movie. And it's pretty cool because, again, it's a 1966 movie. So you, you see some aspects of that that are dated. But you also see a lot of the modern pacing and plotting elements. It's, it's really good. Check it My out. My recommendation this week is going to be Netflix's Love, Death, and Robots Season 2. Uh, if you're not familiar with Love, Death, and Robots, it's an anthology series. Basically, it's it's like Twilight Zone or heavy metal. It's you know somewhere between six and twelve minute short movies, uh, all 100% animated and usually dealing on some sort of sci-fi theme. Um, season two is relatively short with just six episodes, so you can knock it out in about two hours. I liked it. Uh, I don't know if I liked it as much as season one. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, hit me up in the comments. But just my just my take. All right, well, that's it for this edition of Hops and Box Office Flops. Thanks to Cigar City for making this excellent Florida man. And thank you for listening. Next up, we have the The Rock Classic Doom. So I guess get your BFG ready and let's dance. What did you think of the pod? Leave us a review on iTunes. And please remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thunderous Wizard can be found at WriterTLK. Chumpzilla can be found at Chumpzilla8 on Twitter. And as always, you can find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H. And don't you worry, we're always ready. We won't let you out of our sight. I'll be ready, I'll be ready.